it's the weekend, and do we have some updates and some really exciting news to share. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And I welcome you to the weekend edition of Truth to Ponder, and I'm your host, Bob Bierman. Wow, what a week this has been behind us, and what a week we have coming ahead of us. And I just have so many things on my heart and my mind to share, plus some news stories that I think you need to be thinking about as you plan where God would have you to be. I just want to give you a number of updates. So many of you have been kind of following the saga of our trip and journey and and up here in Virginia and things that went wrong and things that have gone right. And the hardest part, and I'm sure many of you can identify, is making sure that you're not getting ahead of where God would have you to be and that you're walking in his will. And it's not the easiest thing sometimes to do. You need to be patient. Sometimes you need to step back and think and pray. I think we take the prayer aspect out of it more often than not. So let me just give you some updates, and then I'll give you a health update as well. As many of you know, we are selling a home that we have in Georgia. We bought it about five years ago. It was uninhabitable. And over, you know, these four years, we put a lot of ourselves into that home, and we finally got it finished uh, just recently, to be honest. But the time has come to sell that home and, and decide where God would have us to be. And so we've been looking in Virginia for a couple of reasons. On a practical level, as you're getting older, you need to be closer to, to family and certain medical services. That's just how it is. And you also want to be in a place you can afford to live in when you're, you know, basically on a retirement income. This time of inflation over these past months since January 20th of 2021 shows just how much your income can erode and how quickly groceries and gasoline and energy cost and everything can just go up in a heartbeat. And so we're trying to plan and be good stewards of what God has given us. We also trust God will meet our need. But sometimes you have to decide, is it your need or your greed? And you can easily get in over your head. And I don't want to do that. I want the flexibility to know that I'm still able to do the things that God would have us to do. And I truly believe this radio program and a few other things are coming into play. We've been getting our home ready in Georgia, and we came to visit this area of Virginia where the daughter and son-in-law live, and they've been encouraging us to be in this area. And and we had an offer on our home in Georgia, but the deal fell through. There were some issues, and, and I, I don't understand why, but, you know, I never, for what it's worth, when the offer first came, with the home sight unseen, and then an offer later for even more than we were asking. And and my heart is telling me we're about to go into a bad economy here any week now. And I just had a bad feeling about that initial offer on the home. And I told my wife, us looking around and trying to make decisions, we're being a little bit premature. As they say in in, in the South, you know, 
or anywhere else that you have farms, don't count your chickens before they hatch. And so we had never gotten to closing. In fact, the the prior deal had tied us up for weeks. And then at the last minute, on the last day of this extended due diligence, they backed out. And so we were suddenly back to square one with news stories already out there. Banks are getting tighter on the money and this and that. And it's like, oh, boy, we may have more trouble selling the home. But we left it in God's hands. We had thought about a place to live that looked like it would meet our need. And we had to say no to it as well. And so we couldn't move forward on anything. We were just kind of in a, in a holding pattern. Now, in the middle of all this, I had a reoccurrence of something that had occurred to me not quite as bad back earlier this year. And it should concern anybody when you have blood in your urine. And when, you, when I'm saying blood, I'm not talking little trace amounts. I am talking something dark burgundy in color and clots, and it's hard to pass, and it was miserable. It put me in the ER twice. Before that, the urgent care once, all in a period of about 10 days. And we were told then to get a specialist. And, you know, nowadays, because of, you know, I'll just be quite blunt, the government destroyed our health care system back in uh, 2009. And starting in 2010, and then again in 12, and then again not, not long ago, it gets progressively worse. And delays for seeing specialists and doctors not willing to take certain kind of insurance, it just got out of hand. I can remember 20 years ago, it was a whole different world than it is today. For many people, and I really, my heart aches for those that, because I know what it was like when, for a number of reasons, I kind of went into a semi-retirement before I fully retired. I didn't have as much income, and all of a sudden, I'm having to pay these outrageous insurance premiums for my wife and I, and we're healthy people. But the government demanded it, and I was looking at, at back then, at $1,000 a month in premiums, and like ten grand, you know, out of pocket per year. Not very affordable when you're not making much money. And, and so we got through that time, thanks be to God, and, and we're on, you know, Medicare now, uh, and we pay a supplement. But getting a specialist is not easy. Well, the good news is we have one lined up, and this, that this coming Wednesday, I've got an appointment with one that is highly rec- recommended. It's about an hour and a half drive from where we're at, but we're going to get to the bottom of this issue. Now, I'm going to tell you more about this issue in just a couple of minutes. So here we are. We now have an offer, a new offer, on the home in Georgia, and this offer is a little less than what we were asking, but not much. And I'm sure that after some due diligence, if they find things that need to be done, I'm not going to be surprised if they ask for any additional reductions, and I'm not going to be upset about it either. I'm going to, I'm going to trust my Lord on the sale of this house. My wife and I, we have no choice. God gave us this place. We invested our time, money, uh, money that we had had in savings, which was getting nothing, you know, a half a percent or 1% interest. 
and we put it into this place. And, and now we have a nice little nest egg, which can buy a place here in, in Virginia. You know, God is looking out for our need. But where in Virginia? Well, we, we, we've looked in a couple of places, and, and this, this past week, there's a house that we had seen a couple of times, you know, in looking. We had not been in it. I wasn't sure about, you know, certain things about it. The The picture showed it needs a lot of tender, loving care, may need some expensive repairs and updates just to make it decent. But there's several things about the house that stood out. The price was extremely good, even if we had to do major repairs. We had seen a house up higher in the mountains that we could have bought, ready to go. But then again, the opportunity for ministry. Now, no, keep that in mind. I may be 67, but I'm not ready to give up everything yet. There's still some ministry and church and everything else left in me. And I want to be faithful to that call. I don't want to miss it. And, and there's just too many things about this house and this neighborhood that are coming together. So on Thursday, this past Thursday, we took a look at the house on the inside. We, we know a real estate agent here, and we spent some time. And, and yeah, the house definitely needs some tender, loving care, and it needs a few major things. I'm hoping they're not too many major things. And so what I'm what we're going to do at this stage of the game, I'm going to be letting the real estate agent know this weekend that we're interested and and we're a little uncertain on the on the price. We we need an extra day or two to get things together. And I have a tentative price in mind, which is not much different than what they're asking. Subject to Certain things, I mean, I'm going to let them know that we, we understand the cosmetic and and like, you know, upgrading a kitchen and what have you. I'm not expecting them to to take a deduction on that. But anything that may be structural or, you know, serious, we, we will need to negotiate on that. So I want to be, I just want to be fair. I, I've, I've never been the one to want to take advantage of anybody. I just don't like doing it. I believe the workman is worth his wage. I believe that somebody, if they have something invested, uh, should be able to get out of a home, you know, a, a fair price. And I want to make sure that I'm being fair. And and I think God will honor that if I do it the way we feel. And that's how I feel about the sale of our home in Georgia. If there's something wrong, we want to make it right. And so... This coming week is a really intense week for my wife and myself, and then I'm going to add a couple of other things that come into the mix. Now, sure, the the house up higher in the mountains, I could get one ready to go, and we would be fine on the sale of our home. And and I would have some opportunity, but is it? it but it's an hour and so an hour and a half away from the kids, and you know we need to have at our age, friends and friendships and family and not have to worry about the distance. And so I'm really inclined to be down here as much as it's tempting price-wise to be elsewhere. But something else comes into the mix, and this is where it gets really, for me, exciting. All right, this, this home we're looking at, it is 
an unusual layout. A lot of people wouldn't want it because it's unusual. But for for trying to host, you know, a ministry in terms of, you know, ancient word radio, this radio program, an office kind of, you know, separate from the house, but still attached, it provides it. It provides, you know, the basics of life. Um, it, it is adequate in size. Uh, and, and there was one other thing that really stood out. Across the street from this home, literally across the street from this home is a vacant church. You heard me, a vacant church building. And I, I've learned the history of the church uh, a little bit. I've done some research. And it's just one of those things where a church was built for a, a wonderful denomination. I, I have no no problems with them at all. But it was one of those what I call family churches. That's the best way to describe it. And they did well back when it was built in 1979. And they did well for a number of years. But there are other churches very much like theirs that are bigger just north and just south. This, this church was kind of built between two others of the same denomination. And so it was limited in size. And over the years, it was a lot of family members that attended. Over the years, they started getting older, didn't have a whole lot of new people coming in. And a number of years ago, it was decided they had to shut down. They, they just couldn't afford to maintain it any longer. And so the building was vacant for a while. And, and over the years, a couple of churches, you know, bodies have used it as a launching pad, so to speak, for a couple of other churches. I mean, it's been closed for about eight, nine years. And, you know, it's sad to see a beautiful building like that. And it is a wonderful building. It doesn't really need a whole lot to, you know, to make it what I think it would need to be for the kind of ministry I would do there. And and I wouldn't be really competing with other similar churches because there are not as many that do the things that we would be doing. Not that we have a different theology, but, you know, we still worship the same Lord. I'm still, a you know, a Bible-believing Christian. The expression may be a little different. And and there's just something about that building. And and I can see it a little differently than others. Some people look at just a, a little local congregation serving a local area. But I see that small church building across the street with opportunity that spreads far beyond its four walls. Now, one thing that used to really drive me many, many years ago when I had a church in Florida that grew dramatically over a period of years is the emphasis on the ministry beyond the four walls of the church. In other words, I, we're not just a little club that meets on a Sunday in this building, and then we just go on our merry way for the rest of the week. How do we take ministry beyond the four walls? We're told to do that. And, and I, I'm a firm believer that God blessed the church or any church that I had that grew because the emphasis went beyond the four walls. And I see this building is just ideal. On Thursday, when we looked at the house, the real estate agent had to leave ahead of us. We were just standing in the driveway 
and one of the neighbors from across the street walked over. Young guy, probably in his 30s, maybe 40-ish, has a beautiful daughter, came over to introduce himself, ask, are we going to be the new owners? And and I learned a lot about the neighborhood and even more of the history of that church. He'd lived there for a number of years. And he said, you're going to love this neighborhood. Well, there were two houses that we were concerned about that looked like there was something wrong. Turns out that in one case, someone had passed away and the house was in probate and, and not fully cared for. And another one, a guy is just renovating and getting ready to move. So, And this house also needed some work and we're buying it. So that took the only three houses out of about you know 30 some odd houses in this little neighborhood um, of small homes. And everybody knows everybody. And they're willing to be, shall we say, open arms with my wife and I if we come into this neighborhood. And when I mentioned the church, they were kind of excited about the idea of seeing it in use again. The last group that used the church had had acquired a short-term lease or, you know, years or so lease on it. And the church can be purchased at a very reasonable price. They had a lease on it. And they were taking care of it uh, starting in about oh, the spring of 2019. And they were a casualty of COVID, obviously. And and as so many were. They, they had only gotten up to a handful of people before they had to give it up. And they, they've since decided to go elsewhere. And so there it sits. So there's a home that needs some tender loving care. All on one level, by the way. The other problem with the house in the mountains that we had looked at a little farther up, it does have, it's a split level. And as you get older, that may be an issue that we need to be concerned about. Um, I wish we had a garage on this new house, but, you know, things like that can be worried about some other day. I'm not really going to worry about it. I'll let God take care of that, you know, if that's a need. I, I just see... A neighborhood I see being minutes away from family, I see being close to uh, the necessary day-to-day shopping. It's also in an area where people do a lot of gardens and there's a lot of, shall we say, the ability of you know fending for oneself. And it's a quiet, peaceful neighborhood inhabited by basically young firemen and a few police officers, so it, it has a nice, safe feeling as well. And and so I kind of laid something before the Lord. I'm going to get into that in just a second. Right now, here are where things stand. Our home in Georgia has an offer. There is an inspection Monday, this coming Monday. So we are praying diligently that the house passes inspection, that whatever things may be wrong with the one that we have in Georgia, Um, that we can safely come down in price and still meet our need here. I'm not going to quabble or argue or negotiate if somebody says that it has to come down so many dollars because of this. I'm willing to do it. And And the only thing that would make me say no for now is if it would, you know, make it impossible to get a place elsewhere because we just are not going to go into debt. I'm not taking out any kind of a mortgage. I just feel very strongly that God would not have us do that. 
So that's off the table. Uh, I just feel that this house has got to be what it, it has to be. And so my prayers are for Monday that it gets through the inspection. That Tuesday, the house can be what they call bonded. In other words, we're going to closing within about two weeks at that point, two weeks and a day or something. It might even be faster. Then on Wednesday, we have the doctor's appointment, and I'm hoping to get resolution to the health issue. Thursday, I am meeting with the denominational leaders of that particular church across the street from the house that we're looking at at purchasing. And in my preliminary discussions, they are very open to seeing that church put back to use. So you can see that my wife and I, we are on pins and needles right now. We don't know what to think. What does God have in store for us at this point? And so Monday, the inspection. Tuesday, we the, the decision on the house for, from the buyers of our home. And then Wednesday, health. Thursday, church. And, and then, you know, we... We have a couple of other things to be doing up here in, in, in Virginia. And we figure about 10, about, you know, maybe a week from this Tuesday or so, we will be on our way back to, to the home in Georgia. That we, we're selling it furnished. We've already emptied most of the stuff out that are personal belongings. And we will come down and get the remainder of our belongings and get everything ready for closing. And then at some point after that, between that date and maybe as late as the 28th, the closing will be done and we'll be in a position to move forward. It's going to put a lot of stress on me to get these daily radio programs done. I'm not sure how I'm going to do it, but we'll find a way. Um, maybe there'll be a week, some time of some best ofs. I don't know. I haven't, I don't, I don't really want to go there if I can avoid it. I'd rather do this program on a regular basis and share with you, but I see an opportunity coming and, and I've mentioned this before that this program truth to ponder, it's going to go through some, some subtle changes and even a few, maybe radical changes over the next year. It's still going to have an emphasis at least a few days a week on the major news stories that you and I need to be aware. Now, I'm not going to have any time in this segment to get into some stories, but there are a few that I really want you to pay attention to in this changing world in which we live. We're coming into a really unusual time, and and I'm going to talk about that on the other side of the break. Now, I do want to talk about the health issue. There are times you say, Lord, I need, I need a sign. I need your wisdom. I need to know that we're walking in your path. And, you know, for the last couple of weeks, this problem that had gotten a little bit better got a lot worse real quick. And we're not sure why. We hope to find out. But it, it was really awful. Awful. I mean, I, I we didn't really want to go anywhere. That if I had, you know, I, we just couldn't. We couldn't be gone from the house for more than an hour or so because you don't want to deal with this mess outside. You just don't. And but we kept moving forward, feeling the Lord's leading. You know, you know, keep 
working on selling the house, keep doing what you're doing. And we've been facing this issue. Do we go higher in the mountains or stay here? And I think for the moment, the direction is to stay in this part of the world, you know, not a little higher up. I mean, I'm not saying it can't change, but at the moment, I'm really not seeing it. But I do know one thing, that the day we decided to go look at that house, that was on on Wednesday, that we decided to go look and we called a real estate agent that said, you know, I can get you in there tomorrow. The house is now vacant. And, and I'm going, Lord, just, just, just give me something to know that we're not doing the wrong thing. The health issue is clearing rapidly, like healing, literally divine healing. Now, I'm still going to keep the appointment next week because, you know, we've waited this long and, you know, it's a good thing for confirmation. But it kind of tells me that we're doing the right thing, that this is where God would have us to be. I've never felt so excited about a ministry opportunity in my life. Now, this past week, as many of you know, I celebrated my 25th anniversary to the ordina- being an ordained ministry. And I was in my 40s when that happened. In other words, I was a little late getting started, but it's never too late. And I've always wondered, I've pastored several churches. I lost my first wife to cancer. I, I, I've, I just lost all, I don't want to use the word desire, I just lost all Strength to do it. That's the best word. I just felt drained. And suddenly I feel rejuvenated. Suddenly I feel there's one more church or two in me. And there's other ministries to launch. All of these to be passed on to other people. Not sold, but passed on when the time is right. And and I see an opportunity with this small church where some young pastor just, you know, freshly minted out of a Bible school, can come and be an associate. This house is kind of funny. It's big enough. It even has like a mother-in-law suite. It needs some work, but I could, you know, literally have a young pastor and his maybe even his wife stay with us for a while as he gets experience in preaching and teaching and making the calls and, and doing the work of a, of a local pastor. And I'm sure they will find out, like I did, it's a lot harder work than you ever thought it would be. I know that for a fact. There are several things that I can see here, which I've never had all together in one place before. I can see a home. I can see a church. And I can see a place to do all kinds of ministry from the local church to this radio program for even doing video, online material, stuff that can be mailed out on little tiny, you know, thumb drives for people for teaching and and use this ministry for preparing God's people for the world in which we are about to be to be sent into in a hurry. Things are changing and I see some good things too. I also have some confidence for the first time in a long time. I know there's an ultimate end to this world. 
I know there's a day that Jesus is coming again. There's no doubt in my mind on that. I, I completely understand it. And I've mentioned before that Satan always gets a step or two forward and and begrudgingly has to take one back for a season. And honestly, and this is not anything to do with the election, really, uh, coming up here in the United States. But I think on a number of levels, Satan is going to be forced to take a step or two back very soon. And it's not because of politics. It's because God is going to give us a time. He's going to give us a season. I really believe this. We're going to get a little bit of a respite. Whether that respite lasts a few months or a few years, I don't know. But all of us better be prepared to do what God is calling us to do. We don't get these opportunities like this very often. The United States as a nation has squandered a lot of the gifts that God has given us. In times of peace and prosperity, how many were really involved in in God's work or were they just too lazy and decided to stay home and enjoy their wealth? Well, we're coming into a time now, and I'm going to be talking about that in a couple of stories on the other side and, and kind of give you my reason why I think that the forces of evil, the demonic nature, the the satanic leadership in this world, in the secular world, is about to have a season of having to give back. And I'll explain why in just a few minutes. Do you believe in this radio program and this podcast and this ministry and, and what I've just talked about? I really need to hear from you. Number one, how do you listen? Do you listen as a podcast? Do you listen on radio? If you'll send me a direct email, it comes to me directly, bob at truth2ponder.com. Bob at truth2ponder.com. I'm not building an email list, so I'm not going to be bugging you or writing back a lot of stuff or asking for anything. I may respond and say thank you, but just tell me how you listen. If you need prayer, we have another address, prayer at truth2ponder.com. There's also a prayer request form on the page that says prayer, prayer request. Prayer request comes before support of this program. And that's why I'm asking you to pray for me at this very unique time in my life and my ministry. And I want to be a good steward. Also, in being a good steward, I need to make sure that our our radio airtime is paid. And if you can help us with that, I'd appreciate it. You can make a check payable to Ancient Word Radio. Ancient Word Radio. And the mailing address is Truth to Ponder, 5753, Highway 85 North, number 3248. That's 5753, Highway 85 North, number 3248. That's number 3248. And the city is Crestview. Crestview, Florida, 32536. That city, again, is Crestview, one word, in the state of Florida, and the zip code is 32536. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. The real goal coming up. 
Shalom Aleichem. This is the nice Jewish boy, Jonathan Kahn, your Jewish connection, bringing you the riches of your Jewish roots in Jesus. Now get your pen out as fast as you can so you don't miss out. We're receiving a special free gift you're going to get and love in a moment. Now, here's the scene. You're in your car. You're late. The person ahead of you is going real slow. You start talking to that person. Come on. You're like, Come on. What's wrong with you? What's the matter with you? Come on. Go. Move it. Move it. Step on the gas. What's wrong? I'm late. I have to get to service. If you don't step on it, I might miss the teaching. And it's going to be a real important teaching. It's called be still and know that I am God. So step on it, buddy, or get out of the way. Now, the thing is that how often do we miss this whole point of everything? You're going to a service and you're rushing and you have anxiety because you're late and there are people ahead of you and you're and you're getting more and more anxious and you're losing peace. You're becoming more and more un. Christian, you're you're losing all the gifts of the spirit because you have to get to a place to hear about the gifts of the spirit or the fruits of the spirit. Well, it just shows you how easily we forget why we're doing it and the real point. I mean, you might be involved in a ministry, you might be involved with a goal, and you go crazy. And to do God's will, you do it in the worst way. Does that sound even a little bit familiar? It's amazing how easy it is to forget the whole reason why we do what we do or to forget the real goal. Your goal is not to get to that seminar or even to that ministry, because if it is, then you'll end up with no peace or patience and a lot of frustration and no love. Your goal is more simple. It's simply this. Love the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and your neighbor as yourself. That's it. When you're in back of that real low driver, it's okay. Your job is to love and pray for them. Bless them. When you do that, the Lord is pleased. When you do that, you can never be late for your goal again, and that's the real goal. Want more? Ask for the Samaritan's Choice. Now, the free gift for you, the awesome mystery of the temple doors. You'll love it in sapphires. Guaranteed to bless your socks off. How do you get these gifts free? Easy. Just remember Jesus' real Hebrew name, Yeshua, and you dial it. That's it. Just call 1-800-YESHUA-1 to receive your free gifts. You will be blessed, but call now. That's 1-800-YESHUA-1. I invite you to minister with me, together bringing salvation to God's ancient people, Israel, and the unreached peoples around the world. Is over. There are billions of people who need to hear the gospel. And the farthest way you can ever spread the gospel in your life is shortwave radio. It's amazing. So, how? Just call 1-800-YESHUA-1. That's Y-E-S-H-U-A-1. Or you can write me direct. I'd love to hear from you. Just write to the Nice Jewish Boy, Box 1111, Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, 07644. That's the Nice Jewish Boy, Box 1111, Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, 07644. Well, till next time, this is Jonathan Kahn saying, remember the real goal, my friend, love. Shalom and Echem, peace be to you, my friend and Messiah. Sar Chaim, the Prince of Life. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And welcome back to part two of our weekend edition of Truth to Ponder. And I'm your host, Bob Bierman. Now, I know that many of you only hear the program on radio on the weekend, on the stations that uh, you listen. I know of some domestic radio stations, and FM in particular, that airs us on Sunday. I know in, in Zambia, in the eastern part of Africa, we are on an international shortwave radio station, Voice of Hope, also on Saturday, like I say, and covering a good portion, most of the continent of Africa. And so we don't hear much often from Africa, but I know that there are listeners there that have 
been able to make contact. And I want to thank you for listening to this program, Truth to Ponder. And I hope that what I share with you is encouraging in your walk with our Lord and understanding this very complex world in which we live. For those that are new to the program, just a quick recap of how this program started. Now, I I was in broadcast all of my life, literally my adult life, adding ministry 25 years ago. So this year of 19... Well, 1972 is when I got my first paid job in radio, and that's 50 years. And then 25 years ago, I was ordained to the ministry, and I've been doing both. And with the exception of a few, several years that I stepped away from both after the passing of my first wife, and I ended up working in emergency management, which, by the way, has been very helpful in understanding the world around us today and how to look for information. So, you know, God orchestrated even that part of my life. Sometimes you look back and you wonder, gee, if I'd only made this decision or did that, did that, I'd be rich, I'd be wealthy. I would, but maybe that's not what God wanted you to be. Everything I ever did in radio stations, everything I ever did in the equipment manufacturing process in broadcast, everything I've ever done in building stations and establishing ministries and and studying God's Word, and then being a church pastor, and all these things that God has had me do, they're all for a purpose. And everything I've ever done has been built on the last thing I ever did. That's just how life should be. And and so at this point in my life, I'm seeing a great opportunity ahead. There are stories coming out. Even, even some of the mainstream media is beginning to recant a little bit some of what they've been saying. Because just like in the Old Testament story, they see the handwriting on the wall in many cases. Alex Berenson, you may not even know who he is. Maybe some of you do. And I've been following his writings for quite a long time, since even before the beginning of this radio program. He used to be a reporter at the New York Times, and he started questioning a lot of what he was hearing regarding the pandemic. And, of course, in a typical establishment newspaper like the New York Times, they couldn't couldn't abide by somebody digging deep on a story they were trying to keep alive. And so he was fired. And he has survived by having paid subscribers at a, at a website called Substack. And he continues his investi- investigative journalism. Twitter threw him off, oh, a long time ago, for making some absurd statements, like the vaccines may not be fully effective, and what, what efficacy they have is very short-lived. Well, He was told he's spreading disinformation, fake news, blah, 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 blah. And so rather than just sit and take it, he sued Twitter and is demanding discovery on are there any collusion between government and Twitter for the official, which we now know is a just out and out lie narrative. And that's one of the reasons we started this program, because there was so much stuff out there on both sides, the pro, 
you know, we all have to lock down, we're all going to die, and the other side, you know, calling, you know, there's an extreme on both. And, and I just felt the need to try to find the truth in the midst of that, that you can listen and learn and live. And so I see stories, you know, that are getting out now. One of the most vocal critics, by the way, with, with Alex Berenson, you know, he is now reinstated on Twitter. And Twitter has publicly said that they were wrong in in shutting him down, that it was not misinformation. Look, the handwriting's on the wall. And how CNN and how MSNBC are going to be able to, you know, work around this and act like they're ahead of it and they were not part of the propaganda effort is going to be amazing to watch. There was a, there's a story out. Um, Michael Yearden, PhD, former vice president and chief scientific advisor for good old Pfizer, as well as the founder and CEO of the biotech company called Zoraco, which is now owned by Novaritis. That almost sounds like a disease, but you know, Novaritis. And in a conversation he had with a British radio host, he explains why he thinks the stories surrounding COVID-19 are generally false or blown out of proportion, and they were created and sustained to, to see how much control can be put over the entire globe. Now, once again, Yerden is not some, you know, fly-by-night quack. And, and I, I look for people like him to quote because they know more than you and I know. He's in a great position to discuss it because he holds degrees in respiratory pharmacology, toxicology, biochemistry. He's done a lot of interviews. And so he, he really understands this and, and he really believes you've been, we've been all lied to. And I felt this from the day one. Something's wrong. Remember, I, w- I had come out of retirement to help a county, a large county, in their COVID response back in end of February of 2020. So, I mean, I came in like most of you. We didn't know. We, and, and I started working, and, I, and I'm putting together press releases. I'm doing the research, and the numbers are not adding up. What I'm seeing on the ground, and remember, I am working with hospitals. I am working with medical authorities. I am working with all the stats and and I'm working with coroners and everybody's information and the numbers are not adding up. All of these blown up numbers that how many thousands were going to die was a lie. It was all made up. It was all a fairy tale. It was baloney. It was, you know, nonsense. Choose your own word, insert, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. And that's why I left that position. I knew I could not be a part of this in good conscience. The money was wonderful, and I walked away from, you know, a big nest egg. But I knew that staying there would compromise me. I'd seen enough. I'd seen all that God wanted me to see, to know it was a lie, so much of it. Those numbers were never near what they were. And then I remember when I was when I was working in emergency management back around 2009, you know, we we had the whole swine flu, you know, N1H1, remember that? That pandemic, how it, you know, was was going to come and, you know, get us all ill and, you know, I, I was deeply worried and concerned and and you know, 
It turned out that only 144 people died from the infection globally, N1H1. And it was during that time, though, that the WHO, another group that I don't trust, revised the definition of a pandemic. And what they did in 2009 is they eliminated the severity of the contagion and the high mortality criteria. And, and they replaced it with simply a worldwide epidemic of a disease. Now, the disease could be the sniffles, but and they can call that now a pandemic. In other words, even in 2009, the coordinated effort of government and globalists trying to steer the entire planet on a topic was already well in play. And so it was a metal, it was a scandal. And I remember it came on with all the warnings and everybody, every emergency management agency were ready for all this back then. But for whatever reason, they pulled the plug. Now, one of the things that made this recent scamdemic go as far as it did is we had this magic thing called the PCR test. And how many people, let's be honest, we all did, would go to their local newspaper or whatever, there's the chart, or go online. Ooh, we had a thousand more infections in our county. Ooh, we're all going to die. I was equally as guilty early on. But then when we started realizing that, you know, the, the, cycle, the cycle thresholds were, were just insane, and you're labeling all these healthy people as sick, and everybody's now running around afraid, and then they have to wear their face diaper because that's going to save you. You know, really, a virologist wears a hazmat suit that is airtight, but, you know, that little bandana is going to save you from the virus. I mean, I noticed one thing recently in, in recent weeks. There, up until about a month ago, there was still a sufficient number of people wearing face masks, thinking they're protecting themselves from the next variant. And even CNN and MSNBC, they're trying to scare you with, you know, the subvariant uh, B5 or whatever it's going to be. And it could be, it might be, it, we, we need to be ready for, you know, and, and it's all a bunch of hype, just like when Omicron first came around. And everybody thought, oh, my Lord, it's going to, you know, they, you would have thought that this was going to be the plague that killed kids. And it turned out to be the common cold for most people. And so the COVID-19 is a test according to this guy that used to work for Pfizer. And because the PCR test can produce a positive result on demand, um, they also discover coronaviruses that have been around for years. And, I mean, it just goes on and on. You know, Kerry Mullis, he's, he's the guy that invented the PCR test, made it very clear. He died, by the way, before COVID-19 came around. They were never intended to be used for a clinical diagnosis. They have a theoretical lower limit. That is the smallest amount that it might detect to give a positive result. And and they were just, they're supposed to be like one tool in a big arsenal of tools. It helps steer you in a direction. It's not the definitive answer. How many people had the nose swab and thought, I'm dying of COVID? How many people thought you were going to die of COVID? 
if you ever got it. We learn now that 90% of COVID immune response is not to the spike protein, which is what these stupid vaccines claim. That's why they really don't work. Why is it that young men who take the vaccine have a, a risk factor 44 times higher for heart issues? Why are we seeing birth rates and other things? There, there are a lot of numbers that are becoming concerning to me. And what's going to happen, and this is what I believe with all my heart, um, there are going to be some people whose lives have been shortened because of these vaccines, especially those that have gone on for their boosters and their third boosters and, and what have you. The government, it's going to have a hard time hiding certain data. They're good, but they're, they're, they can't completely do it. This guy from Pfizer said there's a good reason that there's no other gene-based vaccines on the market. And that's one of the problems. You could pull it uh, apart, you can spike it off, but you you know the, these these things really don't work. They this is technology that they've been trying to make work for decades that hasn't yet. The pandemic came along and magically it's supposed to work. And all these people lining up for their shots, believing it was a true vaccine, when it wasn't. Vaccines are not always going to be the answer for the next pandemic. And these mRNA messenger vaccines are definitely problematic. So here's what I see happening. We've got an economy in in trouble. Somebody, you know, people that are born in the last 20, 25, 30 years don't understand something that I know from 50 years ago when I graduated high school. About the time that I graduated high school, gold was like about $35 an ounce. And at the founding of this nation in like 1787, it was $26 an ounce, something like that. Hadn't gone up much. But see, when gold starts getting up around $3,000 an ounce, that shows how little our money is worth. That's why we're not even basing our money on gold anymore. A person that could make two bucks an hour in 1972 needs around 20 to 24 dollars an hour to have the same buying power. That's how much our money has collapsed. And the more the government borrows, the less the money you have is worth. It's just simple. It's just and young people today are not being taught that. That every, you know, all new money is nothing but debt. When the Fed throws more money at it, it just dilutes the other money that's out there. That's how the government can keep paying off debt. They keep devaluing the money. That's how. And then they they raise your taxes in other ways accordingly. This pandemic has all the earmarks of globalist planning. The Wuhan lab, by the way, also now is implicated in monkeypox. And of course, if you're politically correct, you can never say who really is at, at risk. The gay male community is the high risk because they were going to places doing, as the Bible says, unseemly things, and they came down with monkeypox. And so when they talk about we need a vaccine for monkeypox, I'm not going to take it. I don't have that risky behavior. That's the only way you get it. But the reprobates that are in government can't, can't think in those terms anymore. They, they, they refuse to think in those kind of terms. 
And so we now know that the monkeypox strains were, you know, back at the Wuhan lab in 2020. Sound familiar, the Wuhan lab? No, the lab we were told way early on. No, 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 it never came out of a lab. It, it came from an old bat that somebody discovered and, and, and bought to a wet market in Wuhan, you know, a meat market, and somebody got infected there, and then the rest is history. That was all a lie perpetrated by Fauci and company because his fingerprints and U.S. taxpayer money were in Wuhan. And now we find monkeypox in Wuhan. Now we find biolabs in Ukraine also dealing with, shall we say, things that you shouldn't be dealing with. And 48 of those labs were funded by the United States Department of Defense. They admit that. They admit that much after they had denied it for a long time because the evidence is overwhelming. So we got to keep the Ukraine war alive to shut the Russians up on the stuff they're finding in biolabs. I'll talk about that one day next week. I mean, I don't want to get into that topic today, but there's there's a lot more than meets the eye. I really believe we're coming into a time of opportunity because all these lies they're they're trying to juggle and keep in the air, all those balls in the air, they're having a hard time doing it as more things get tossed in. CNN and MSNBC can't keep the lie up that the economy is good. I mean, when I heard the press secretary saying, oh, all this pain and suffering is because we have a good economy. <laughs> you think I'm that crazy? They're lying to you. You know it and I know it. They are professional liars. They have been for decades. Our economy is in free fall. Interest rates are going up. The housing market is slowing down. People are going to be losing jobs because companies can't afford to pay labor. And we're going to continue to develop a class of people that don't want to work. In other words, we've done everything possible, the governments have, to destroy a thriving economy to make us conform to the globalism. You know, the Georgia Guidestones, I've never visited them. I've been to Albert county in Elberton, Georgia, countless times in my life, but I never saw them. Uh, you know, as a matter of fact, I thought one day I might want to take a peek at this monstrosity and its satanic message. And so I have to wonder why, you know, some, one of my, one of the listeners, and, and I, I kind of, I understand where they're coming from, you know, in, in times of revolution against an ungodly and cruel and, and tyrannical government, which is what we've got right now. You know, you got all these people, you know, in government. All that's important to Democrats now is abortion and racism. And what's the other? There's another one. Yeah, abortion, racism, uh, free this, free that. Oh, yeah, LGBTQ. The only three issues that America needs to really embrace is LGBTQ, critical race theory, and abortion. Those are the things that make a great nation, those three things. No, those are the things that are, I'm going to come right out and say it, are damning a nation. Those are the things that will damn you and this nation. And phony Catholics, you know, like Nancy Pelosi, I'm a good Catholic. My bishop said I can't have communion in my home, you know, diocese, but I'm going to go get to have the Pope give me communion to show him. 
Well, both you and that phony pope can end up in hell because of it, and probably will. We're coming into a time where they can't deceive us. God's going to pull back a veil. I, this is the this is the vision that I see, and I think, I think that's why I'm getting ready to move into hyperdrive in in this ministry and training others to do similar work and growing it to get us prepared for the next wave that will come of the bad news. We're about to get this season, I really believe. Yeah, the election, you know, it's a little tiny part of it. If any, if anybody thinks the election of 2022 is going to fix our sickly nation, you're crazy. You know, we're at best, we're going to get a little reprieve. And in time, it'll all fall apart all over again. 2016, look at the forces of hell. Uh, Look, I'm not saying that Trump is a godly individual. I mean, God used Trump to be an upsetter of the globalist and the Satanist. And he didn't even know it, maybe, at times. That's why they had to make sure he was out of office. That's why the demonic forces and the demons in Congress, you know, they're trying to have all these fraudulent hearings so he can't run. That's how scared they are of having the veil pull back and the disgusting beings they truly are, demonic as they truly are, would be exposed. Not that I think even Trump understands that. But regardless of the election, my heart tells me the light of truth is about to be shined for a brief window. And you're going to have to make a decision. You're going to have a moment to decide. Whose side are you on? Are you on the Lord's side? Are you on the side of God? And and, and God will use even the ungodly at times. The Bible is full of stories like that to get his work done. You know, my my heart's not broken about the Georgia Guidestones being gone. They, They had a satanic message. Basically, 13 out of every 14 people on the planet need to be killed and and eliminated to save it. And if you read all the stuff that's on it, it is satanic nonsense. We're about to expose the darkness. And and I think God is going to do something mighty. And I hope that you'll keep this ministry in prayer. Listen, if you believe in our work, would you consider financial support to keep it on the air? Make a check payable to Ancient Word Radio. That's Ancient Word Radio. Mail it to Truth to Ponder, 5753, Highway 85 North, number 3248, number 3248, City is Crestview, Crestview, Florida. And the zip code in Crestview is 32536. That's 32536. And you can also support us via Give, Send, Go. You'll find that at the website. Until next week. May God richly bless you. This has been Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. To find out more, visit our website, truth, the number two, and the word ponder.com. That's truth, the number two, ponder.com. Truth to Ponder, shining the light of truth in a darkening world.